0: If you don't mind a tingling spine or a lump in your throat. If you kind of get a thrill feeling the hair stand up on the back of your neck or you just can't get enough of the eerie, turn down the lights, snuggle up with a blanket and keep your feet tucked up safe because we've got a story for you. It happened to a friend of a friend.
1: Hi, we're back. Oh, yeah. I was going to tell you a story. Oh. (laughs) And you pushed it right away.
0: put a pin in it and you can tell me later if it's not appropriate for the podcast. No, it's
1: appropriate for the podcast. Okay. You were just talking – we were just talking about plugging in the mics and I was going to say, like, we were listening to podcasts in the car on, like, our recent road trip. Oh. And we were listening with, like, an auxiliary cable because that's an option in our truck. Um into like the speakers and the one speaker wasn't working and we were like wondering why the sound was off so we I was like oh my gosh the speaker doesn't work at all Mike and then we were like oh no man this really sucks and then like I just didn't even think about it old school he just went and like messed with the auxiliary cable where you plug it in and it started working I was like genius and he's like like Megan that's so basic and I was oh that's, like, what, that's what I do with mine all the time why didn't we think about it but it's just because it's not tech we're so used to wi-fi and shit yeah that like the hard stuff no, I don't, forget like,
0: my, my Bluetooth doesn't work with my phone Bluetooth, so, like, Kevin in the, in his car, he can listen to music through his Bluetooth, like, yeah. with the car and the phone. I can't do that. Mine's a little older, so I have to use, same thing, like, the an auxiliary cable
1: and plug it in
0: to the thing. So, yeah, I sometimes have
1: to jiggle it, otherwise it, it doesn't work. Yeah, I just thought, I 100% was like, oh my god, this does not, isn't working.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I feel so dumb. Oh, my sister's sending me a picture or something. I'm not sure what that is. Oh, curtains.
1: Is that what you have her on as? <laughs> She's
0: the spare.
1: That's <laughs> awful, Sarah. <laughs> does she know that? Yes, oh, she does. I saw both my sisters today, and yours is messaging us. That's nice. I know. That's fun. I went to go see *Jagged Little
0: Pill, the <gasps> musical. How was it? Um, It was fine. Oh. It was, okay. I would just like to preface this with I just am an enjoyer of musical theater. I didn't study it. I'm not like a super critic, whatever. But the performances were good. The You Ought to Know number was phenomenal. Like best number of the whole thing. Okay. I just feel like they tried to do too much with different storylines to fit the to fit the songs in to make it angsty. It's, okay. So it's based it's based around this family and each member of the family has like a like a middle class white collar kind of trope of today's dysfunctional families like the mom is hooked on pain meds and the dad is a workaholic and the son is like the perfect child okay and the daughter is adopted and like she's black in this white family so she's dealing with that and she's bisexual so it's just every single
1: like like Every sitcom not even no, character.
0: Not, not even sitcom. It's like every single I don't I can't think of the word that I want. Like cause or whatever yeah. that's happening now. So it's also very of the twenty twenties. Okay. In ten years, I don't know if it's gonna have the same relevance. Maybe the message will still hold yeah. up. Like a lot of the messaging that's in it, like sexual assault and standing up for people and like All, like, LGBTQ, like, all that stuff is trying – they're trying to shoehorn everything into this play. So it was just a little much. I found it's very much like – have you ever seen Rent? Yes. Okay. So, you know, Rent, at at its time, it was very um, – what is the word? I can't think of the word that I want. It changed musical theater. Yeah. Because it was a different kind of musical theater. It created rush tickets, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I understand that part of Rent. But Rent is also very much of its time. Yeah. Like, I saw Rent in the summer. I'd never seen it before, but I've always heard good things. Like, people who love Rent, love Rent. But I I'm love sitting Rent. there I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm like, okay, hey, the performances are good, but I just feel like it's kind of cheesy when you really listen to some of the lyrics Yeah, because it's songs. calling
1: out the aids and, like, really and, yes. hammering the point. Right. And, yes. and while I, those I are
0: worst, worthwhile messages, it's a very of-the-time kind of scenario. I hear and I hear a lot of I it, I think yeah. that jagged little pill is going to follow in that footstep okay it's very much of the 2020s it was funny i laughed it was fine yeah but it's just okay i get it i feel like they tried to do a lot and it became
1: too much i honestly didn't know what it was about but like the best part of jagged little pill was like that raw 90s feel (laughs) That raw, emotional, right. grungy feeling that it has. And right. that seems kind of contradictory to... Kind of. To the music. Yeah. And, yeah, like, I just... Why I, couldn't it just be an Atlanta's biography?
0: I don't know. <laughs> I could... I understand what they were trying to do, but I don't think it was done right. Okay. So I mean, if you want to see it, go see it.
1: I'm sure. But the thing is, you're an easy critic. Like you are really like pretty fair. I don't think I've ever heard you give anything not like no. And like I said, like fair it was, justice. It, it was
0: fine. It wasn't horrible. Would I pay to see it again? No, no.
1: And you're a double upper too. I yes. You're I a will five go, time. Artist. I will go see
0: something again if I really enjoy it. I just bought I bought tickets to go see Wicked.
1: I oh, bought yeah. tickets
0: to go see Les Mis. I bought tickets to go see Book of Mormon, and I you have issues. I have a lot of issues, but I've seen Book of Mormon before. I've seen Les Mis twice before. Yeah, I've never seen Wicked, (gasps) so I'm excited for that one.
1: Who are you going with? It's going to be your first for Wicked. Yeah, my dad and my cousin. That's exciting. Yeah. I haven't seen Wicked either, but the i read the book. i read the book, yeah. Yeah, I was, I'm I've read a, the book. <laughs> I was like, I'm such a loser that i read the book, but I haven't seen the musical. No, but I've the movie's cut. Co- they're making a movie with Are they? Cynthia Erivo. I don't know if you know who that is. She's awesome. I don't know. I'm excited. But yeah. Oh, she did Harriet Tubman. Okay,
0: so moral of the story, I saw Jagged Little Pill. It was Okay. If you want to go see it, make your own opinion. All right. That's just my opinion. I don't want to see. And it. I am a lover of the of the album. I was a teenager in the late 1900s when it came out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I can't believe you just said late
0: 1900s. So naturally, I am going to be drawn to that album.
1: You're older I, than me. Just to clarify, the I know
0: 1900s, I am, she's a lot older than me. I enjoy musical theater, but these two things together, I just didn't feel like they fit. And that is all I'm going to say because Fair. now we're six minutes in and I don't want to take And I too have much. a semi-long story. Okay, so do you want to just get into it? Sure. Okay. okay. Well, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. And this is... It happened to a friend of a friend. Who wants to be a millionaire? No. Okay, well, I'm first. My sources are bbc.com nypost.com, abcnews.go.com, ranker.com. Okay. 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 So you're a sibling. You have sisters, right? (gasps) Do you know what this is?
1: I almost did the story. I'm not even- Are you serious? I'm not even fucking- I'm not even kidding. You say this all the time. No, I'm not. Sarah, I was re-listening to the lore episode, and I was like, this was the story I almost did. I swear to God. And then my story had the potential to be- It is long- (laughs) But had the potential to be, like, really, really, really long. And I was going to do this story next week instead of this one. I swear to God. Okay. Well, anyway. That is crazy. We're going to fucking double up. We need to start talking to each other. We need to start talking. Okay. Anyway. your You're a sibling,
0: correct? (laughs) Yeah. We just talked about how I saw both my siblings in one day. Okay. Um, Separately. You have no brothers, though, right? Just sisters? No. Okay. Um, Okay. But what if you had a sibling you didn't know about? And what if that sibling was a twin? Your mind would pop- probably be blown, right? It,
1: it would. Yeah, it's so funny because I know what you're going to talk about. And I'm so excited to hear, hear it. Know. I want to hear it. I want to rehear it. Okay. I'm excited. okay.
0: Well, that's what happened to some people who were adopted from the Louise Wise Adoption Agency in the 1960s. Okay. Since you know, though, if I miss information, just don't. I'm not going to because I, I, I skip information sometimes just to keep. Yeah, yeah, short. yeah. This
1: is an overview. This isn't. You right. want a deep dive? You can deep dive. Exactly. Okay. Okay, the agency was started in 1916
0: by American philanthropist Louise Wise. Her mission was to help find homes for the many Jewish orphans that were usually otherwise left to the care of the state, eventually placed in asylums. Her agency would, would gain custody of thousands of Jewish children and then help place them in other Jewish homes across the country. Okay, so she was trying to do good. Between 1960 and 1969, the agency paired with psychiatrist Dr. Peter Neubauer, Neubauer, I I always write things really fast and then I don't know what I'm writing, and Dr. Viola Bernard to conduct a nature versus nurture type of study on twins. Bernard also thought that twins would do better if they were apart and therefore received more than And and they would receive more one-on-one attention if they were split up rather than put together. It's crazy. I don't even like to separate sibling dogs. I know. The families who adopted the babies did not sign up to be part of the study, nor did they have any idea they were taking part in anything. The children were placed with families that differed in economic classes. Um, Some of them went to higher class families, and the other one might go to a middle class family kind of situation. And some of the- Wait, did they know that they were one of a twin- They knew that they were taking one of a twin? Okay. No. None of the families knew that these children were twins. Okay, cool. Right. In some of the articles I read, the parents were told that the children were selected as part of a childhood development study, but nothing about being twins. Researchers made visits to homes of families. Many thought this was part of the adoption process, and while it was sometimes an annoyance, they went along with the visits. Uh, The researchers would observe the children, take video of them playing, and give them IQ tests. I did read one article where one of the twins, who's obviously now an adult, said her father didn't remember anyone visiting the family. Um, So maybe it wasn't all of the children, but a lot of the children, they did remember, like, these researchers or whoever coming to visit them and asking them questions and stuff like that. Um, Some of the researchers that have spoken about the study have said they were shocked at the similarities amongst the twins Even though they did not live together, many of them liked the same activities, foods, and had similar personalities. Now, you may be wondering, did these siblings ever meet? Well, yes, they did. Well, some did. I don't know if they all ended up finding each other. I think one of the articles said there were around 10 or so sets of twins used in the study. One of the most popular stories is the reunion of triplets. Yes, triplets. I think there was only the one set of triplets. Okay. I think all the other sets were twins. Edward Galland, David Kelman, and Robert Shafrin. Robert, I think that says Shafrin. Wait, are these only identical twins or both? They only studied identical twins. Okay. I think there were fraternal twins but I don't think the fraternal twins were studied because one of the articles said that that would be a good um kind of like baseline test group okay. kind of thing because they weren't. I don't know. But yeah, I think it was just identical twins that were kind of part of this study. Huh. Yeah. My brother-in-law,
1: his partner mm-hmm. is a set of triplets mm-hmm. and the two are identical and he is not. He's a fraternal. That's crazy. So they had like. Identical twins, and then another one. Yeah. Isn't that? Yeah, that's crazy. It's a crazy anomaly. Sorry, crazy. I just wanted to put that in there. That's okay. I'm just trying to go fast because <gasps> you said your story was long. Something stabbed me on your, under your table.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay. Edward Gilland. Uh, yeah, I read that. Robert was starting college at Sullivan Community College in the Catskills, like in New York, mm-hmm. in 1980. He was making his way across the campus when something odd kept occurring. People kept saying t- saying hi to him. Girls came up to kiss him, kind of like they all knew him. Um, they didn't because this was his first day. So what was happening? Another student, Michael Domnitz, I think that's Domnitz. Again, I think I'm gonna remember need to know. I think I'm gonna remember it when I write it, and important. then I can't read it. Who approached Robert was surprised and said he must have he must have a twin, his friend Edward Gland. Who he knew had dropped out of the same school the previous year so there's no way he would be back mm-hmm. Michael drove Robert to Edward's house and when Edward opened the door it was like the boys were looking in a mirror they couldn't believe it a few months later David Kalman a student at Queens College saw a news story about the reunited twins and was speechless when the photo of the men were his twin or triplets if you will because they were triplets that's crazy <laughs> I know the triplets had a span of time where they were, were well-known. They were on talk shows and even scored a small part in the movie Desperately Seeking Susan with Madonna. They even opened a restaurant together in 1988 called Triplets Romanian Steakhouse. It closed in 2000. The triplets also suffered, suffered from forms of mental illness even at young ages as they learned about themselves. They all had families and tried to stay close to each other Edward was the most affected by the discovery. He had severe bipolar, and in 1995, he was found in his home dead. He had shot himself. That's sad. The R-I-T. other two brothers have remained close, so they all like had kids. They all got married. Um, I think one of the triplets still like is really close with um, Edward,
1: mm-hmm.
0: with Edward's wife and his daughter. Like they're still really close. Okay. In 1998. This is a new story. In 1998, 35-year-old Howard Barack wrote to the Louise Wise Services to get information about his birth family. He knew he was adopted, but obviously didn't know he was a twin. The agency responded and said he did have a twin, but that they could not give him any information about him. He was stuck in a weird limbo-like state and would look, he would look at people to see if they looked like him. He was just very... He was curious because he knew that this person was out there but couldn't do anything about it. So he was always looking to see if he was looking in a mirror at some point someone else. Meanwhile, two years later, Doug Roche, I think it's Roche, was just going about his life when someone from the agency called him. The agency was in the process of closing and an employee who apparently was fighting cancer needed to clear her conscience before she passed away because it was... An aggressive cancer. Mm -hmm. She called Doug and told him about his twin. He was shocked, as one would be, and gave the agency his phone number so the twin could call him. That twin, yep, was Howard. The two talked on the phone and eventually met up. They connected right away and realized they were living similar lives. They both coached hockey. They had kids who played hockey. They each had a kid whose number was also number two on the team. That's crazy. Um, they carried their wallets in their front pockets, and they both got married in
1: 1992.
0: Weird. Um, okay, another story. While doing research for a documentary called The Twinning Reaction in 2017, which the documentary is based on the stories of the twins adopted from the Louise Wise services, okay. uh, the documentarian contacted the adoptive mother of Sharon Morello, uh, the mother's name is Vivian Bregman, vivian had no idea her daughter was a twin and she had and she told the documentarian that had she known she would have adopted both girls like it wasn't a matter of i can yeah i take would absolutely like, take she would twins, have taken both girls would want the twins i get it when sharon got the news from her mother she was in shock i mean not only did she have a twin a person making a documentary spilled the beans at it <laughs> like that would be so random that would be really random. <laughs> Sharon wanted to know who her twin was, so she started looking into old records. She found her sister's name and address through the adoption agency that took over the records when Louise Y services closed. She couldn't do much with this info, so she turned to Facebook
1: and found her. Wow. Okay. Good old
0: Facebook for
1: searching up names. Well, I feel like if you just look up a name and it's whatever. Yeah. I could you could figure that out.
0: Um they exchanged messages and bonded right away. They had the same fears, and they both named their youngest child, Joshua. The girls were together three months before they were separated, so when they were babies, and Sharon's sister told her she always felt alone. The sisters are unfortunately no longer speaking since Sharon went public with the story, so that's why there's no, like, the name of the sister is not there, because they're not speaking. Shit. Um, the twins in these studies were supposed to be separated shortly after birth, so they didn't become any like there was no attachment formed mm-hmm. to each other. But in the case of Howard and Doug, they were kept together for six months, and they did show signs of stress after being adopted. They both would like have like do rocking motions mm-hmm. when they were babies, and they would both they both were reported to be to bang their heads so against sad. things until they were two. Well, like,
1: they have all these studies on what happens when you don't hold your kids in a crib or when you they have studies for what skin-to-skin does with, like, a parent. So can you mm-hmm. imagine, like, having a twin that you were with all the time, like, having that removed from you? That's a big. Right, right, right.
0: Well, and that's why, like, they – in the study, they wanted to separate yeah, them as soon as possible. Yeah. Whereas, like, within six months, like, if you're together and you're a twin, like, you're kind yeah. of bonded, right? Many of the subjects but that's not going to
1: like you're not going to if you're bonded whether it's with 6 months or you were taken away right away you're not going to name your youngest child the same name that's crazy.
0: Yeah. Many of the subjects have requested copies of records from the research from the research visits that occurred in their homes when they were younger, but they have been heavily redacted. Some pages are totally blacked out. The records currently remain like the full records. Mm-hmm currently remains sealed in, Yale, in Yales, Yale's library and will remain that way until October 25th, 2065. Holy Probably because by that time, all the people involved um, will have passed away. That's sad. Got so it. that
1: is... Okay, so I was gonna do twins and I had had that study, but I, those weren't the twins I was gonna cover, so I could okay. still do my story. You it's just could. crazy that we were gonna do twin stories. What would it's the take of being? <sighs> wow. Cool. I know. Loved it. Are you ready? Yes. Can you stop texting? I'm, I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> I can see I can see all your messages popping <laughs> up on your phone. I tried not to read them. Oh, um, so content warning. Okay. All the things. Everything Okay. <laughs> all the things. Um, no, it's not gory, but it's graphic and um, it scares the shit out of me. So on January 15th, 1974, police in Wichita, Kansas were called to a residence for a brutal murder. Father Joseph and Mother Julie were found by their three teenage children. They told police uh, when they when the children had called nine one one. They told the police um, that they didn't know where their younger that like when their younger siblings were coming home and that they needed to be taken care of. So they called the school. There were two other children and they had never arrived at the school that day. Thankfully, the children did not find. Uh, the three teenagers did not find the two children because police very quickly found them. Um, so what happened to the Otera family was Julie and Joseph were found tied up and strangled in their bedroom. Okay. It's just because it says... Uh, um, there's like something in really tiny writing. In their bedroom. Joey, who was 11, was found in his bedroom strangled. Julie Otera, who was nine, was in the basement. She was tied to a pipe and strangled. Um, She dicks. It was a horrific scene. So a few things about the crime scene. The dog was out. There was a dog and the dog was outside. Mm -hmm. The door was unlocked. Like there was no forced entry. Later they found out that the killer, later we will find out that the killer just walked in because the door was unlocked and that um, possibly from the kids letting the dog in or out. One of the reasons this terrifies me. (laughs) I think my kids always let my dog out. Um, I'm like, Bog the door. There was bloating indicating that the straggling slash suffocation would be to a point of near death. And then whoever was doing the killing would stop. Let them regain um, I feel like if you're going
0: to talk over there, you should move your mic. Okay. So. Why don't you just move it to the other like, side move of the your hole. shirt? Yeah. Like if your head is on that side. I'm sitting weird
1: because we tested the mic, man. Okay. okay. Hopefully this is good. I don't know. So indicating that he, they, he stopped the strangulation and then started again, um, the reason for this would be, uh, kind of laid out later on as well. And they found semen near the daughter, the youngest daughter. Um, although she was not, her pants were down, but she was not physically assaulted. Um, it was evident that ejaculation had taken place so probably masturbation, and that this was a sexually motivated crime. The Otero, I think I said Otero earlier, but the Otero family had no defense wounds, so the killer must have been persuasive. The community was in shock. They had no idea who could have done this. Four months later, on April 4th, 1974, at around 1 p.m., siblings Kevin and Catherine Bright come home to find a gunman who says he's a fugitive and he needs a car, food and money. So the gunman separates the two. He tied them up, he tied Kevin up first and then he took Catherine into another bedroom, tied her up. When he went back to Kevin, um, Kevin had gotten loose and from the the ties and they fought. Kevin was shot twice um, and then the perpetrator went back to Catherine, he strayed, he, strangled her, but was unable to get her to lose consciousness. And then Kevin escapes to go get the police, and, um, but it's too late for Catherine. Um, when he gets back, the gunman is gone. Catherine was 21 years old. But because Kevin survived, they have a description, and the sketch gets drawn, and they have a little bit more information. Um, but still, no perpetrator. In October, police have some suspects in custody for the Oterra family murder. I think they, I believe they had three and one of them may have confessed. So the newspaper, the Wichita Eagle, receives a strange phone call directing them to a book at the public library. And in this mechanical engineering book, they find a letter saying that they had the wrong guys. Amongst other things written in this letter, um, it said, the code words for me will be, oh, he said that he killed the Otero family. The code words for me will be, bind them, torture them, kill them. Ooh, are he you doing exists? btk btk i know this one this is like a heavy hitter one we haven't really done one of i those. know i thought it was going to be a lot of work um i can't believe you okay. did it in one part i almost did it in two parts but okay. i i kept it uh kind of tight i think the thing about this case is there he loves to talk they will catch him and he loves to talk and there's so much information. You can watch all of his confessions over and over again, and he likes to play games, and you can read all the letters, and there's so much in-depth. But you can do that deep dive on your own. I'm telling you kind of like the the basis. The Cole's what notes. Yeah. Like we always
0: say, we're we're a shallow hop yeah. into a puddle. We're not a deep dive no. into a lake.
1: No. <laughs> um, but there's some good info in here. Um, they so um, he said that B so that he went by BTK, and he had a drawing of his signature. Basically, the B looks like boobs, and it just looks kind of torturous. Um, they will be on the next victim. It said he had included details of the Otero murder. I don't. I feel like I'm. Can you Google if it's Otero or Otera? Because I wrote both down, and now I feel really stupid. Otera. I think it's, yeah, because I kept thinking in my head, like, Jenna Ortega. What am I, Otero what? Family. It's Otero, not Otero, right? Otero. Otero, okay, damn it. Sorry, Otero family. RIP and survivors, I'm sorry. So the Otero. Mur- <laughs> um, so he had included details of the Otero murder that were not released. In 1977, Mar- um, in March... We would later understand that there was a trolling phase. So when they catch BTK and he talks about it, he had got been going through a trolling phase. If Minehunter continued, it would have been BTK. I know they still there's still a tiny possibility. No, I guess they've said that they're not doing no. it. No, recently it's been brought up again. It's on and off, on and off, on and All off. Right. Everybody wants okay, it. Keep going. We got to make our snack. Okay. So, um, blah 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 blah. Now I lost where I am. The killer went inside a home with a five-year-old boy who was walking home. The boy and his siblings were locked in a bathroom. They were five, six, and eight, um, and they were locked in there with some toys. And Shirley Vane, um, who was their mother, was sick um, several different times and is strangled. However, when the phone rings, the killer panicked as the boy who was named was Stephen had said that the neighbors will be checking in on them when he was talking to them earlier. The killer flees, thus leaving the children alive. December 8th, 1977. This is a night attack, which is a little bit different, and a broken window. 25-year-old Nancy Fox uh, is found face down on the bed, strangled with a nylon. Ejaculation has occurred again. Um, The following day, police receive a phone call giving directions to the house. So the killer wanted the body found. January 31st, 1978, BTK sends a poem. The poem says something along the lines of Shirley Locks, Shirley Locks, Wilt Thou Be Mine? Um, and so basically it is about uh, Shirley Vane, the, the mother. Okay. And February 10th, 1978, mine's like a little, nice little chronological police receive a letter that makes them publicize and hold a conference to reveal the BTK strangler in these murders. Basically, BTK was getting upset at not getting attention Mm -hmm. and quote, how many people do I have to kill before I get my name in the paper or some national attention? Basically, fearing, knowing that this person is capable of killing or trying to get more attention, they go public with it. So although they are kind of unaware until a little bit later, uh, on April 28th, 1979, 63-year-old Anna Williams escapes death by not coming home. Weeks later, she receives some of her personal items and a poem by mail named, Oh, Anna, Why Didn't You Appear? Okay. Could you imagine how chilling that would be?
0: Very. Was he kind of inspired by Zodiac with like these
1: messages and stuff? He says he drew inspiration by lots of people, but he also claims he inspired all these people. And I believe Zodiac is one of the, obviously he's going to, serial killers look to other serial killers. Right. Right. Um, But he, yeah, he names a lot of people like they tend to. Okay. He's a name dropper. He's taken credit for the Idaho killings, being inspired, like just crazy. Where am I? So there are, um, Lots of letters uh, with drawings, and there are some cryptic puzzles, which I'll talk about in a little bit. You can go to Crime Library. It's a really good resource to get those letters in detail. I used several um, several different resources. I used True Crime, like the True Crime doc series. I used CNN, I used Wikipedia, I used Murderpedia. I used a lot of different resources. There's a lot, it's available everywhere, literally Google it, there's so much BTK stuff that you can find, which almost made researching harder. So many pedias, so many (laughs) pedias. The BTK BTK killer stops, as far as we know, more on that later, until April 27th, 1985. And although he was originally not suspected as, this wasn't suspected as a BTK killing, we will later find out that it is. Marine Hedge's body is found eight days um, after April 27th, she was 58 and she was strangled. September 16th, 1985, Bill Wagerl, Wagerl, I don't know how to say it, Wagerl, I don't know, comes home for lunch to find his two-year-old son sitting alone. His wife, Vicky, who is 28, was is found strangled in the bedroom. And though we will later find out that BTK, oh, later on we will find out that BTK had posed as a repairman to get in the house, and afterwards had posed and photographed Vicky. However, at the time, BTK was not considered a suspect and the husband became suspect, number one. The reason that both the Marine and Vicky were not suspected of BTK was because um, it had been so many years since the previous killing. So the previous killing had taken place in um, 77 or 78, late 77. Um, and then like the note in 79 was the latest. And then, so this is six years later. So they did not think that BTK was still active. They actually thought that maybe he was in jail or dead or something else had happened. So they did not attribute them to it. On January 19th, 1991, um, the killer strikes again, Dolores Davis is strangled, um, BTK having shattered the sliding door window with a cinder block. Her body is found by a bridge and then basically nothing. So again, BTK's MO was not to bring these bodies and leave them anywhere. Mm -hmm. Very strange. Um, And then also nothing happens for several years. However, in 2004, BTK gets inspired by an anniversary article 30 years after the um, Otero family murders, Um, The Wichita Eagle basically does this huge spread uh, in January 2004. On March 19th, 2004. Pause for (laughs) dramatic effects. Should we edit it out? Oh, look how cute. He's got his jersey on. I know. know. We're recording, guys. We can cut this out. It's fine. I know. We can cut this out. It's fine. You don't have to be quiet we right can, now. We can cut this out. We'll be out. quiet when it's you leave. Fine. I can drink. Yeah. <laughs> He's taking
0: advantage of the fact that we said we can cut it out. Kevin's such a trooper. Cut it out. Quit it. Troy Gladstone. Okay. I'm going to
1: keep some of that okay. in there. Just keep the whole thing. <laughs> March nineteenth, two thousand and four, BTK sends a paper, sends the paper, a copy of Vic, Vicki Wiggers, w- I should have listened better, um, the, of her driver's license and photos of her, to the, to the uh, newspaper, thus claiming her, claiming the murder. Right. Um, I guess that's a relief for her husband, but very terrible. On May 5th, 2004, he sends a letter um, and chapters for the BTK book. Oh. So they do think these chapters are cryptic and clues because they have, like, dates and stuff. Uh, Again, this is if you want to do a deep dive, you can access that stuff easily. And there's a lot more. We'll get into some stuff later and, and the chapters reference that. So December 13th, 2004, a garbage bag with a Barbie who is... Uh, has a hood over her head and is tied, has her arms tied behind her back, is found. In 2005, a cereal box with a postcard with descriptions of a murder and another doll are found. And there is the question, have you found my other package? Meanwhile, at Home Depot, an employee has another cereal box um, placed in the back of his truck. So, excuse me, in the footage, they actually can see a Jeep. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they can't get any information on it because they can see that security footage. Um, and the cereal box had like um, BTK bomb or something on it, so the they didn't think it was the employee didn't think it was a bomb and had opened it. Inside, they wanted to know. BTK wanted to know if um, he could send a floppy disk to the paper to the police and they would, be, they would be able to trace it or not. And he says, if you can't trace it, put right in the paper, Rex, it will be okay. So they do that, even though they can trace it, mm-hmm. <laughs> because why wouldn't they? On February 16th, 2005, the floppy disk arrives. And then, wait, what was the name on it? I wrote it down, Bill Thomas Kilman, hmm. BTK. Right. And um, I just thought it was like a little side note. Um, Of course they traced it and they found that it was last saved by user Dennis at the Christ Lutheran Church and was also used at the Park City Library. So now they have a suspect because they look and see what Dennis is at the Christ Lutheran Church. Right. And their suspect is Dennis Lynn Rader, who's 65 years old. Um, I believe at the time, please don't quote me because I couldn't really quite find, but I believe at the time of the murders, he had been a dog catcher and a compliance officer for Park City. He was president of the church council. They obtained DNA because they had recently found out that his daughter, Carrie, had had a hospital visit for a personal matter, and they were able to find DNA. You'll know why. I'm awkwardly Googling if you actually look up what the personal matter was. What was it? I didn't want to. Why? She had had a pap smear. Oh, okay. And they used that. And well, they... you're telling us to look oh. it up. It's obviously public, not like no, it's I out know, there. No, I know. It's just awkward. Okay. The, just as awkward as the pap schmear is. The... It's not fun. I like them. Ugh. I'm just kidding. But I did have a really good person for a long time. Anyways. BMI. I. Yeah. So they found a match and he was arrested on February 25th, 2005. He didn't deny anything. He confessed and enjoyed the confession. It's crazy. They were like, basically like, we got your DNA man. And he was like, great. I've been dying for you to catch me because I have a lot of shit to talk about. And you can watch it. Um, I've always found it chilling because when he talks about it, he talks about it like he's doing groceries. Like it mm-hmm. sounds so banal when he's talking about it. And kind of like Kemper, he, he almost tries to paint that he had sympathy to his victims in those moments. To make him seem like, I don't know, likeable or something. Mm-hmm. But like, you clearly did not care about these people. Right. We find out that he enjoyed the chase. We find all the different steps that he felt like that serial killers go through. He had done his research. He had kind of like people had talked to him and about it, obviously, in prison and stuff. So he had been learning. So he talks a little bit about, um, like I said, there's a trolling phase. There's a phase in between. I'll talk about it in a little bit. We find out that he had used plastic bags to suffocate many of his victims while he was strangling them as well, and that every killing or, um, sort of, uh, event was a project and had a name, and that it was all about, it, like, these sexual fantasies, which were sadistic. He explains the murder in detail, and that's when he draws attention to Marine, who was actually his neighbor. So... Um, that's why he said he had done it a little bit differently because he didn't want it to be linked to him originally. So during his cool down periods, you can look up all of these pictures. He wore clothes, some of which were the victims or were meant to mimic the victims at the time, um, and masks. And he would recreate the crimes, like dress up and recreate the victims, make himself look like the victims. And then he would take pictures of that. So he was kind of like reliving his, um, his his crimes. So yeah, he's a sexual sadist who enjoyed all the parts. He, there's a movie on Netflix. I forget what it's called. I think it's David Duchovny it's really good. And mm-hmm. it's like covers a lot of, it, it's pretty much BTK. Let me see if I can find, figure it out after. Dennis Rader was born March 9th, 1945. He had several siblings and a relatively normal childhood if his parents were not just maybe a little bit strict. Um, Early on, he desired to harm children and got sexual gratification from it. He admitted to hanging a dog and a cat. He went to college but dropped out. He worked for the U.S. Air Force on systems, so not like combat. Mm -hmm. Like many killers have had combat, right? Um, On May 22nd, 1971, he married uh, Paula Dietz. And don't know if I pronounce that right, and they had two children. He worked different jobs throughout his life. One of them, which is kind of chilling, was after the first murder, people started um, putting in security systems. Mm-hmm. So he became an ADT Securium system, security systems installer. Okay. For fun. Yeah. Like that, he got off. That on, makes sense. Yep. That tracks. Yeah. He was also a Cub Scout leader, which is why when they found, like, the knots um, on the ties were intricate. That kind of made a lot of sense to them. And he actually used a camp out as one of the alibis. So he left the camp out and went to murder. I do forget which murder. That's creepy. Um, August 2023. So basically he confesses to everything. He gets hundreds of years, 120, I don't know. Mm-hmm. A lot of jail time that I didn't write down because nobody really cares. Mm-hmm. And as long as he's away forever. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess some people do care. Some people would want him to get the electric chair or vice versa. Sorry for being insensitive. In August 2023, so this August, with journals that had been provided by his daughter, Carrie. So his daughter, Carrie, actually wrote a book, which I, I really want to read. I was going to uh-huh. say I'm dying to read. And See then if, that was two ooh, on the nose. Maybe there's an audiobook. Yeah, maybe. But it's all about like reconciling. <laughs> the... I like that she's how you say, yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if I want to. Yeah, I don't know about reconciling the father she knew with the real person he was and how you do that. Like that's a big, it sounds very interesting because that's a really big situation. Mm -hmm. And like without getting too into it, like there was that documentary about Bill Cosby where like people had worshiped him because like he was like such a father figure to them on TV. Mm -hmm. It was really hard to reconcile, especially like black culture and that black father and stuff like that. It was really hard to like reconcile all of the, all of your feelings with what you thought you knew and what's reality. Right. And that's what her book is about. And so she has provided journals, has been working with police, FBI, and um, to kind of help with some unsolved murders. So they believe that being that he's narcissistic and a pathological liar, mm-hmm. and a psychopath, sociopath, whatever, he, they do believe that he has more murders that he hasn't copped to. And that for him, it's like a game. Mm -hmm. And part of it, like I was kind of thinking about it when I was listening to it is that like, if you're a sadist, knowing that it makes people crazy or upset or it's frustrating or people really want to know what happened to some other loved ones that you would get off on that, right? Like that's another part of just another little game and he loved games. So he isn't divulging, but they also found a hidey hole, hidey hole. <laughs> i just love that word hidey, hidey hole. hole they found another um like a burial they found some stuff buried on his old property mm-hmm. so they had dug into it and found evidence of different murders that are not the ones that he's caught to so they know that he's like murdered other people and they can't really talk about it but they do have evidence that he committed other crimes so they suspect that he, there's two cases, they solidly suspect that he is the perpetrator. So that's Cynthia wow. Kinney, who went missing in 1976, and Shauna Beth Garber, who went missing in 1999. Um, so they're pretty sure that he's responsible for these, but there's not details released because it's an ongoing case. Mm-hmm. In September 2023, they have possibly also identified another victim based on sketches in his notebook. So this is still breaking. This is still breaking news. Breaking news. They they think there's lots more. They do also encourage people to look at some of the drawings because you might recognize a loved one who's been missing those years and they also have pictures of barns in them and they don't know how much is fantasy and how much is real mm-hmm. but if you recognize this barn there could be evidence buried at the barn nearby or there could be bodies there or something like that so they do encourage people to look these up and uh yeah i that's the bt oh wait i had a little
0: oh my goodness what else do you have
1: oh i had just wrote i'm starting i started it out differently I just wrote in that, written that for me, it's, he was always one of the scariest killers for me because he stalked his prey, like Mm -hmm. really stalked them. With the case of Shirley Vane, he actually had been stalking another victim and she wasn't home and he was itching to do it. So he knocked on a few doors and then followed this little boy home Mm -hmm. and just like knocked on the door and like pretended to go in. He would often use like the, you know, if he was in violently or broke a door, he'd be like, I'm a fugitive and I just want your car. But if not, he would pretend to be a repairman or something, which is mm-hmm. one of the reasons I never answer my door to people. But the Otero family, he had cut their power lines and waited until somebody had opened the door and waited for us. And then just walked in at broad daylight and killed them. And it just gives me chills. And the way he talks about it, like, he's always bothered me so much and just it creeps the fuck out of me. It's chilling. It is chilling. Or that he was, like, waiting in somebody's home for them to come home. Like, he did that with... He did that with the brother and sister. He did that with Anna who didn't show up. Like I, it's just a lot. So RIP to the families and the survivors who were there for the murders Were young children. Like Mm -hmm. who knows what their life was like. And kudos to his daughter, Carrie, who wants to help the victims, even though it's probably really painful. She visits him in jail. Mm -hmm. I guess he's not in great shape. He's in a wheelchair, not in the best health. Um, but she's been visiting him and she's hoping to glean information with each visit and it's it's hard for her
0: mm-hmm. it would be the end the end that was that was good
1: yeah it's, lot.
0: it's crazy it's a lot it is a lot
1: there's so you can read all the letters too they're just gross Just gross you should switch your mic over now if you're gonna... he gets off on everything and if you're not just... reading if you're gonna look at me you should switch your gross mic oh my god you're the, we i want my our old mics back well, I think you just have to put it either like I just liked the old mics. I liked having my face in a mic. I like talking in a mic like I'm a superstar. I don't mind these. You just have to position it in a good
0: spot. Put it like to, in the middle I'm like of
1: talking free. Put it in the middle of your shirt. I know I wore the wrong shirt. I wore a V-neck. Well,
0: that's okay. I just put it on the side where I'm gonna talk. Okay. So well, like I, I move around so yeah, much. Yeah, that's Sarah. why I hold my notebook and I sit like this. So I'm like sitting towards you. Oh my God, stop
1: itching. So what's your throwback?
0: <laughs> my throwback, okay, is like 90s R&B songs that were either overtly sexual or it was hidden and you may not have known at the time. Like obviously like Pony by Genuine
1: mm-hmm.
0: or Peaches and Cream by 112. <laughs> I feel like they hidden. The classic Too Close by Next. I love that song. <laughs>
1: I love that That's song. my throwback. Songs like that from the I 90s. I love that song. <laughs> I just, like, have it in my head. I remember that song playing and my friend, like, had, was crushing on this guy super hard. And I remember her just, like, dancing, like, in the corner with her eyes. closed, all, like, <laughs> so cute. So, yeah. Just songs like that from the 90s. Nice. Yeah. I don't know if I've done my throwback, but my it? employee asked me to do it today. Excuse me. I burped. What is it? Because she just started watching it. What Twin is- Peaks. Have we done Twin Peaks? I don't think so. Like that shocks me that we haven't because I love Twin Peaks and we talk about it every year because we have a decoration at my work that looks like the crazy tree.
0: No, I've never. I've never even watched it.
1: Oh, really? I know of it. It's not for everyone. Like it's not. I want to watch the OG because they like rebooted it, right? Um, no, it's like part two, like it's 20 years later. Like it's, like, oh, okay. it's, it's, the OG is good and they actually made a, a movie. It's a little bit, yeah like, 90s so that. cheesy, but fuck, I loved it. But and I watched it, I've it years later too. I heard it's like good. Like if you get it, it's good. Yeah, like it's it's not for everyone, but if it's for you, then you're gonna enjoy it. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Oh my god, and they're crazy. Never mind. I'm not gonna say anything. But it's, okay, it's. I really like Twin Peaks, and I watched it if, maybe like eight years ago, and it um, it like uh, like it was like still way before my time when. I started watching it. I really liked it. And I feel like when you like, when somebody else watches it, they're like, yes, you get it. And the room with the, and and they walk, they talk backwards. It's all like screwed up. I believe you. It's about a girl. Do you know what it's about? Yes. It's about a girl who's like, gets murdered, and the agent has like these dreams or these experiences, and it's just trying to solve this murder in this small town in Seattle, and it's just very eerie and. Yeah. Kyle McLaughlin and who I follow on Facebook, I don't follow anybody, and I follow Kyle McLaughlin and Sarah Michelle Gellar, that's it. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there is some sort of psychological something and that has to do with that. Neat. We're not superstitious. But we're a little stitious. Bye now. Bye.